We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So much to talk about, Sean, with NFL Week 10. So many things happened. It's going to be interesting to see what direction we take this show, which way we start. Just so many unique things, so many crazy things that happened. So really looking forward to recapping it here on our Instant Reaction podcast, which is brought to you by Blue Wire and WinBet. We'll talk more about WinBet later in the show. Sean, NFL Week 10, as I said, explosive, interesting. Some players, some stars held down very very small scores from stars just put up huge huge numbers so looking forward to talking about it today how has week 10 been for you thus far well it was a fantastic week of football so that was very exciting the vikings bills game obviously the game of the year to this point justin jefferson's performance probably the performance of the year even though obviously we've had multiple 40 point games we had last week joe mixon with a 50 point game so, I mean, there's a lot of competition for that award, but what he did in the context in which he did it, pretty amazing. The Chiefs looked very good, finally got a little bit from their run game. The Green Bay Packers looked like, I don't know, peak, but they looked like a 2019 to 2021 version of themselves. I think that that would have to be exciting for one, Colin Kelly and all of the fans out there in Green Bay and across the country of their particular players we have a breakout performance there to chat about Uh, from a fantasy perspective for me it was a little bit of a rough slash frustrating one as you get kind of down toward the end of the season then your teams uh, condense to to an extent and what you need to have happen really crystallizes you need players off of those teams that are doing really well to perform well and for me, those rosters have a lot of exposure to Jerry Judy and Gerald Everett. Um, this year has had a lot of injuries early in the game that have been tough. I mean, if you have a guy who's out, at least he's out. And you can put somebody else in. Jerry Judy goes down, appears to step on the defensive back's foot, turns his ankle on the very first play. He puts up a zero in all of those lineups. I mean, the starting lineup should start deep enough to survive that most of the time. You combine that with Gerald Everett, who looked like he might have a pretty good game. He catches up all early, very excited. You love to see that enthusiasm. But at some point in there, enough of a groin pull that he plays very little in the second half and down the stretch. And 
I mean, they were obviously having to pass a lot and had no one to throw to. So he probably would have gotten targets. Obviously, you never know. So that part's frustrating. But plenty of, of good and exciting things to talk about here in Week 10. And Bill's Vikings has got to be where we start. Yeah, I was going to ask you where you wanted to start. I see you've on your, your Chiefs hat. Obviously, they get a one. We'll talk about them later. You mentioned the theme of the early injuries. Even last week, we had... We had Romeo Dobbs. We had a few games where we had situations with T. Higgins. There's been a lot of games like that. So disappointing to see that happen again. And, and we'll see what happens with the injury news. The other game, big injury news, obviously, is Cooper Cup. At the time of recording this, n- no certain news, but it, it didn't really look good. doesn't sound good. So we'll see what happens there. And we, we'll see if we get to that game in today's show or if it'll be on the, the next episode where we finish up the recap. But, Sean, you mentioned Bills and Vikings. This was an incredible game so finishes 33 to 32 minnesota who are now eight and one i've mentioned that you know i feel that they're a little bit of a, an overachieving team a little bit of a paper tiger team and i'm gonna still feel that way i think after this one the the bills in my opinion really kind of did what they could to not win this game they, they have josh allen obviously was questionable coming in he is 330 yards one interception or two interceptions one touchdown both of those coming in the red zone and that continues a theme based on last week up until last week he had pretty much never turned the ball over in the red zone had two last week and he has two this week so that's four in two games obviously there may be some of that that is the elbow injury but yeah disappointing turnovers in both of these scenarios one of those being the the game sealer the other one being uh, a little bit earlier in the game he's 84 yards rushing Devin Singletary has two rushing touchdowns off 47 yards 13 total carries for him he leads the way in that backfield stefan diggs 128 yards and 12 receptions gabriel davis has uh, nine targets six receptions 93 yards and one touchdown so as you'll hear as i go through these numbers everyone can <laughs> got something in this game dalvin cook 119 rushing yards one touchdown with a massive 81 yard long on that 14 rush attempts for him but justin jefferson sean is the story you mentioned his performance, he has 16 targets, 10 receptions, 193 yards, one touchdown. One of those being a 46-yard reception. But when we look at it then, I've I've thought for a long time Kirk Cousins is propped up by, by Justin Jefferson. But Cousins, you know, 357 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The 357 yards is going to look like a solid day. Everything that he did was pretty much done by Justin Jefferson. Some incredible plays. The amount of sub 50% completion plays that he did in this game was also incredible. He had nine in this game. Nine of 10 of his receptions were less than 50% completion percentage uh, expected by NFL Next Gen stats. So, pretty incredible performance, Sean. The big, massive reception that everyone's talking about comes with one minute and 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They are trailing at this point. It's a fourth and 18. My point here is defensive, like as amazing as that play is, I don't think he makes that play without the defensive back trying to tackle him because the defensive back tries to make the interception rather than knock the ball down for an incompletion. We want to see the fantasy points though, so I'm happy with how it's it's played out, but I would have to imagine Bills fans are, are, are very disappointed in how that play went. But an amazing, amazing reception. I think I still put o- Odell Beckham's over it. Uh, is it your greatest reception? Uh, I won't say of all time, but of the modern era. Yes, I mean, and I, it's interesting. Do we give an assist to the defense? That I'll, an assist. I mean, it's like Odell Beckham's catch, but with a guy hanging all over him and batting away the ball. 
It's and like an Odell Beckham's catch if you give him ground. two extra hands. It's like a three-handed Odell Beckham catch. <laughs> he no, has one no. hand on the ball. No. <laughs> the defensive back has this ball picked. Jefferson manages to pull it away at the top. Odell Beckham-esque. And then pull it away and hold it at the ground when it should have again been stripped. I mean, I, I've just never seen a catch like this. I mean, all of those one-handed catches that you see are... And there were multiple catches like that today. Some amazing, uh, Cortland Sutton had an amazing catch as well, where he's fallen to the ground and catches with one hand. There was, and Devontae Adams had a couple, but yeah, spectacular. I, I, I am kind of playing devil's advocate. A bit Stephon here, Diggs so. had a catch today where he just rises straight up, sticks his hand up, and sticks it. Rondell Moore has a catch oh, today yeah. where it's a deep pass down the sideline, the defensive back interfering with him all over him. Carries him out of bounds, catches a one-handed left hand on the sideline. I mean, there were amazing catches all over the place. I haven't seen the Sutton one. I'm excited to see that as I eventually watch that game. That game didn't have a lot going for it other than Jerry Judy. And when he was injured on the yeah. first play, I was out. That was, no, that was done for me. I mean, this Jefferson catch and all of the next-gen stuff is really, really cool. I'm in no way criticizing it. I don't necessarily buy that there were nine sub-50% probability catches there especially when you're throwing them to justin jefferson i mean any pass that kirk cousins throws is a bad pass it's a lazy wobbler and in this game it's a lazy wobbler in like the half snow half rain you know the fact that both teams move the ball just shows how many good players they have it was also an interesting game in that dalvin cook looked awful i mean he looked completely washed up and then he breaks this 81 yard touchdown run where he outruns the guys with the angle and so you know, it, it kind of emphasizes again how, I wouldn't say useless, but how watching the game, when we talk about all these kinds of things that we think the listeners may not have seen because there is all kinds of context and nuance and just fun. You know, if you didn't get a chance to see a certain play and someone else has, it's fun to chat with them. It's fun to listen to them talk about it, ideally. <laughs> and so we, we love going through these plays. At the same time, you know, you can kind of get ahead of yourself because I was thinking that one of the storylines from this game might be that Dalvin Cook just doesn't look like himself anymore. You contrast him to his younger brother who didn't end up with a good line, but looks better than most of his lines indicate. And then he breaks off this 81 yard touchdown. And so he looked fine on that play. <laughs> the Vikings are going to have to get him going a little bit better, sort of full game. There were big important plays in this game where Alexander Madison was the guy. It doesn't really seem like the Vikings are that excited about him, but they know him, they have him on the team. And unfortunately, he makes this play. It, it, I mean, Jefferson is just unreal. Just unreal. And it, it's going to be exciting to watch him over the next decade. Because even with names like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson, I mean, I think those are the three greatest wide receivers that we've seen. We've watched some players be good for shorter stretches. Obviously, Antonio Brown, not a short stretch, but just a little bit shorter there. I mean, he was absolutely unreal. What Cooper Cup has done from the beginning of 2021 until today. I mean, today was really the first chink in the armor. You get the backup QB, you get the injury, all of that. Just, I don't have a lot of exposure there. So that one doesn't hurt me as a fantasy player as much as some of these other injuries. But just, you know, there are times when a context around a player shifts a little bit and knocks down his scoring level and it helps you because you don't have a lot and you know you can kind of 
enjoy that because you're trying to win, right? We're all out there trying to win. But you, you hate to see someone in the midst of a run like what Cup is currently having get knocked out due to injury. It was an ugly kind of play just from the perspective of bad luck kind of gets rolled up on that leg. It does seem like something that's going to be fairly serious there. So anyway, Justin Jefferson, though, all of these plays extraordinary. No one gets tackled inside the one as frequently as Jefferson either. That ends up with this incredible sequence at the end of the game where it's ruled a touchdown, overturned. The Vikings try and sneak it a couple times. And one of the problems that you have with the Kirk Cousins is that he also is not a good quarterback sneaker. He's not a big athletic guy. And so they fail a couple times. He's down at the one inch line. But the issue there, and you could see even before this happens, that the Bills are in trouble because you have the real potential now for a safety. And then the Vikings will be not that far away necessarily from getting a field goal and winning the game. I mean, there were missed extra points that came into play all across the day on Sunday. Harrison Butker misses another extra point for the Chiefs, which is only frustrating if you're playing him in fantasy, especially when he doesn't get any field goals. But the Bears lose because they missed an extra point. The Vikings were in a situation where they had to go for it instead of kicking a field goal because they had missed an extra point. And then, and then you get the play where the Vikings defense gets some penetration, but Josh Allen not able to hold the football, fumbles it, the Vikings recover. They go ahead. So this goes from the exultation of victory to the demoralization of defeat. And yet it wasn't defeat because the Vikings then go out and play absolutely no defense. If there had ever been a defense played in the entire history of the NFL, and we talk about, you know, prevent defenses usually are used to get criticized and be a punchline every week from reality football fans, fantasy football fans, what have you. Now that all the teams are playing some version of the prevent, <laughs> you're like, maybe defenses could be a little more aggressive. Let us throw some passes over the top. But what the Vikings did after they got that lead was extraordinary because their defense was so bad they almost allowed the Bills to go down and actually score a touchdown. So that then gets you into the extra stanza where the Vikings were able to score, the Bills throw that game-ending interception. The earlier interception in the end zone was kind of interesting because that's a play where the Bills could have kicked a field goal to go up 13, which getting going from 10 to 13, not as big a deal at that point in the game. But what it does allow you to do would be to take it from a touchdown and a field goal tying to needing the two touchdowns. Now, when you get down by ahead by 13, the fear that you have, and this is something that vaguely played out in the Bears game, although not exactly, is that a team will go down and actually will score, stop you and score, because now they have it very clear what they have to do. And a lot of times when the objectives become clearer, then you line up with that in terms of what you're calling and then the number of plays that you run, the, the going forward and fourth down, all of those types of things. And so you're thinking, I mean, we want to get up by 17 and the game right here. The other thing you can do, though, is that it puts you in a situation where you go up by 13 on your next possession. All you have to get then is a field goal to be in a situation where... Up two full scores. Right. And so, you know, again, from that perspective, I think there is an argument there for them to kick. If you have a weapon like Josh Allen, where you have the run pass hybrid types of plays. And even once the play starts, obviously you have that optionality for him, then you're more likely to do it. One of the things that happened on this, the teams do have to be aware of. And, and a lot of times you have these fourth downs where the quarterback will not get 
any type of throw out, will not throw it into the end zone and let his guys have a chance. And that can be frustrating because you're thinking it's fourth down. Give him a chance. At the same time, you can't throw a ball directly to the opponent as Allen did in this one after it became obvious that he wasn't going to be able to execute a score because that ball was actually returned in a way that neutralized some of the advantage you get from going forward on fourth down, which is that you've buried him deep. Once that ball is returned, you don't have that. And so that was an issue on that play. Again, whether a defender is going to be able to have that pretty decent return is not something you know when you release the ball. But you do want to factor it in or at least consider that that can happen. I didn't think that that one was as much of an egregious error because it's a fourth down. Obviously, the game ender he'd like to have back. Yeah, a, a brilliant game. I game of the year so far, and I do think Sean the catch was absolutely spectacular. I just wanted to to see give soothe some of the Bills fans' pain out there, maybe as it goes through. The other thing was uh, Gabe Davis and uh, and that drive you mentioned where they they do tie it up to force it to overtime as a catch, which looking at the replays isn't a catch and uh, wasn't checked by by the official. So another mark on the officials. You know, that's meant to be auto checked by uh, New York. So we'll see. I'm sure that'll be swept under the carpet with the, the officiating as well. But Sean, you mentioned it there. The Bears did lose in a game where it felt like they, well, felt like Justin Fields really deserved to win this game anyway. Um, 31-30 to the Detroit Lions. They go back to back weeks. It's something that probably hasn't happened to them in quite some time. They get two division wins. They beat the Packers last week, beat the Bears this week, beat the uh, beat the Bears on the road. So Jared Goff, quiet. Quite enough day, 236 yards passing, uh, one interception in this one. My question in this for the Lions side will be, what, what's our thoughts on DeAndre Swift? We we get six rushing attempts for him for six yards. He does get a touchdown to kind of salvage that day. We have Jamal Williams, 16 for 59 and one from him. But Amara St. Brown, this was the, the first game in quite some time where he looked like his early season form. He gets 11 targets, 119 yards, 10 receptions. Nobody else on the, the Lions side has more than three targets beyond Amon Ra St. Brown. Cole Komet, though, continues, Sean. He got in the end zone two weeks ago. He got in the end zone last week. He gets in the end zone twice again this week. He has seven targets, four receptions, 74 yards, and two touchdowns today. One of those on a 50-yard play. But, Sean, again, the, the story of this, and I think the story moving forward for the, the Bears from a fantasy perspective is going to be what we do with Justin Fields. He has 167 passing attempts, two touchdowns, one interception, but he has 147 yards again, the most by a quarterback through a five-game stretch in NFL history, I believe, at this point. So he had 13 carries, 147 yards, two touchdowns. So Fields has just instantaneously, over those couple of weeks, turned into what we kind of dreamed of when he was being drafted you know, last year and again this season. Yeah, and if there's a, a flip side to losing Judy and Everett for all those FFPC main event leagues, it is exciting to have all of the underdog teams continuing to rise up the leaderboard as a result of Fields, one of the highest drafted guys in that contest for me, and I know you emphasized him as well. He was one of our targets. He looked like a massive bust over the first month. It does give you a little bit of a reminder that the season's not a month long, <laughs> and we do, especially for the younger players, and these are players that we target pretty heavily, you have to have some patience and you have to continue to believe in many cases. Now, you don't want to do it to the extent where you're hurting your teams over and over again because you ignore the evidence and you ignore new information. But it takes a little bit of time. 
and especially if you new coaching staff as well, you don't have a lot of weapons. What Fields has done over this stretch has been nothing short of amazing. I was chatting with all of my different co-managers before the game started today about you know what we're doing with different lineups and lineup decisions. Uh, had a little message back and forth with Curtis Patrick, who many listeners will obviously know from just his overall presence and then the flagship show. He was asking kind of what I thought with Fields versus Jalen Hurts, who is also having a fantastic season today. And I said, well, I mean, you probably need to stay with Hurts, the guy who has got you there, unless you need a 40-point game, <laughs> which is what Justin Fields <laughs> gave us again today. So hopefully any listeners out there who needed a 40-point game and had Fields as an option put him in. The touchdown run again here, just extraordinary. To have that kind of size and that kind of speed, I think a lot of pundits and a lot of draft experts didn't feel like his size-speed combination would really lend itself still to actual rushing at the NFL level. Not that he would never carry the ball, but that he wouldn't do this kind of thing. Now, what he's done the last month has been obviously 99.9% outcome. You're not going to get that very often but the weapon that he is and now the threat that this brings every single play is going to make it easier for them to pass the ball he only throws 20 times only completes 12 but the, a lot of these are big plays I mean, it averages 8.4 yards per attempt you mentioned commit darnell mooney caught all four of his targets today i would argue that in in this particular game mooney probably needs to be even more involved chase claypool whom they just recently acquired not particularly involved that probably will change going forward but you get all of these big plays the the flip side of that and the thing that any skeptics are still going to point to is that when they appeared to have this game won he did get out of the pocket overthrow commit by a pretty decent margin a little bit of a miscommunication possibly you get an interception and that interception completely changes the game it's a pick six by his former college teammate and extremely high pick top five pick in the nfl draft by the detroit lions a couple years ago jeff okuda who takes it back and then a handful of plays later is when we get the 67 yard touchdown run from field so he immediately answers the interception which is cool i mean a lot of people would prefer to see the answer through the air because the running you it, was a, it was a spectacular uh it was a spectacular like 10 minute spell for him in two different ways yeah well in in this play you know he just beats everybody he had some plays today where he also did the mark the michael vick where and you know ben and i have been talking about this on ceiling bananas he's a kind of a combination of vick and lamar jackson which obviously is a pretty high praise but the reverse field types of runs that he had in this game where he either bought time or he ends up then you know running for the first time. i mean he had a 67 yard touchdown run and 80 additional rushing yards it just it's absolutely insane then they missed the extra point somehow the lions are able to capitalize on this the lions score 31 points and this is the kind of thing that happens when you trade away all of your best defensive players and you're flagrantly tanking the season. Because as you mentioned, I mean, Jared Goff didn't look very good. The running game was awful. You have Jamal Williams averaging under four yards a carry. You have Justin Jackson, 
averaging under four yards a carry. You mentioned Swift gets six carries for six yards. Now, in, in some ways, that doesn't give you, again, any of the nuance because he has a nine-yard touchdown run where you see the Jets, you see the explosion. He's able to slice through and score pretty easily. He also has a handful of carries where they toss it to him and he's swarmed under like seven or eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, which, again, is how you average one yard because you have a bunch of very negative plays. You would ask the question of, you know, what's the scoop on Swift and what do we expect there? I mean, the main issue is just that he's not nearly 100%. They're not in it. They win this game to go to three and six. All these games are going to be important for the coaching staff. So uh, from that perspective, I mean, obviously they're trying to win regardless, but there is pressure on them. And yet where he is health-wise, he's not going to be used a ton. But the good news is that he was used and emphasized down in the red zone. He has the touchdown run. He also has a pitch to him on a third and short where he kind of looks like he's going to beat the defenders, but maybe doesn't have the explosion on that one that you want to see. He goes up, tries to, to lunge for the end zone kind of at the sideline. The defenders grab him and kind of carry him out of bounds at the one and then the lions actually go for it and do score on that play he also has a target in the red zone where if the ball isn't wildly underthrown, maybe he scores a touchdown on that so he was very involved in there he could have had multiple touchdowns pretty easily but when you finish a game with 12 yards then your fantasy managers have to be very concerned about your playability in the short term yeah and it kind of feels with him like he isn't 100 healthy like you mentioned and it, normally you would have him you know sat down for a week or two then he comes back he's pretty much 100 but they are playing him through it and that one you mentioned it felt there like he has a blocker and he has one man to beat it looks like he's pretty much easily beat his one man and it, the blocker gets free and it's kind of that second player that that stops him getting in there but let's hope that we're moving back towards full strength uh deandre swift and if you did start him this week sure i'm sure you did if uh if you have him in your roster um you know that touchdown hopefully is enough to, to push you through sean some interesting games but i have to go here to talk about the kansas city chiefs who continue to win their games they're now seven and two obviously the result for the buffalo bills massive from a nfl perspective itself for the playoff seedings based on the chiefs then continuing to win they are seven and two the jaguars lose on the road the jaguars put up a little bit of a, a fight in this at, at certain points they start off with the onside kick i thought they they done some fun stuff in it i thought trevor lawrence looked good at points he is 259 yards two touchdowns 26 yards rushing to go with that christian kirk sean i think continues to look really really good i know the the contract situation huge deal for him and the money that he got but he is he is looking very very uh good as the season continues to progress he has 12 targets here nine receptions 105 yards two touchdowns the other heavily targeted player is zay jones he has 10 targets eight receptions for 68 yards patrick mahomes may be the most underrated quarterback in the nfl at the minute as he just continues to to put up three and four touchdown games 300 yards you know 39 rushing yards added on to it and it, it just isn't getting talked about and um yeah, he just looked looked excellent here again just obviously the one blemish being the interception but that leads to travis kelsey getting in the end zone mbs getting in the end zone Kadarius tony gets in the end zone Juju smith schuster a scary hit here uh, he leaves the game early um so his numbers obviously affected by that but we've seen mbs get involved a little bit more recently Kadarius tony though sean is the one that i want to mention he gets five targets 
four receptions 57 yards and one touchdown tony i think is going to be a, a fantastic fit in this he also adds 33 rushing yards first of all what's your thoughts on mahomes being underrated and then Kadarius tony was he ever actually injured for the giants <laughs> the tony deal is is pretty weird but on mahomes it, it, like he was going to have another one of these games where he throws for 350 400 yards and maybe five touchdowns and does it in this environment as you, know, you alluded to where he's dealing with all of these different pieces all the time there's absolutely no running game now in this one Pacheco actually looked pretty good. He does this little shoulder shake thing as he's running that makes it look like he's actually making moves or doing something athletic when all he's doing is kind of shimmying. He's not, there's a Najee Harris element to it where it's like, you you don't run forward or make a move, but you don't need to be doing all this extra body action when it's not. You do want to have a Najee Harris element to your game. You don't. You don't. Uh, the thing that's nice is the Pacheco actually is at least dynamic in a straight line, which you can't say for Harris. But he fumbles. So they, they have the onside kick, which I thought was awesome for the Jags. And then the Chiefs go out there and stop them with their underrated defense. The Chiefs look like they're going to go down and quickly score and take the lead and Pacheco fumbles. So if this was another game where you thought maybe Rojo will be active because McKinnon was it seemed legitimately questionable he does catch six passes for 56 yards he does carry once he was the target I believe on the interception and made basically zero effort to (laughs) fight through the defender for the ball it it seemed like we might get a Rojo sighting we obviously don't then Pacheco fumbles to start and you're feeling that feeling that we've been having all year with this but then you do have to give pacheco credit because he looked good the rest of the way this is the guy that they saw in training camp this is the guy who has won the job away from clyde edwards alaire in, in part because edwards just can't play at all but when you look at him the 16 carries to 82 yards the chiefs are going to be excited to have that element but so mahomes is doing it with no running game the sort of manufactured touch guy who's been dynamic for him over the last month and Hardman is out for this game. And then early on you have Juju Smith Schuster knocked out. So that's another one where fantasy managers, I think have to be disappointed slash frustrated slash worried for the player and and his health, because this was one of those plays where this was a, a flagrant late hit and the officials pick up the flag. That part made no sense. And I think really, incenses you if you care about player safety and or are a chiefs fan or a juju fan to have that flag picked up was one of the most ridiculous calls you'll see all season and as we mentioned there there have been a lot of bad calls but so you lose juju who has been the kind of safety net and foundation guy even though he doesn't have the explosion that he had when he was 21 22 out there and still you go down the the field you get the touchdown to noah gray which we've seen you get the touchdown to MVS. I mean, he has a, a good game for basically the first time as a chief. You have the touchdown to Travis Kelsey, which is not surprising. He seems to catch a touchdown uh, every, every few receptions. But Tony, really the story, he catches a pass down the sideline, a little bit of broken coverage, not really covered, but he does the, the one foot hopping into the end zone play, which you'd like to see the athleticism doesn't go out of bounds there like a lot of receivers will. You mentioned he also had the carries those 33 yards there 
able to very easily replace some of the things that Hardman has done. And then he too had one of these crazy one-handed catches in this game. And so you kind of saw the full range of talent that Tony can bring. I mean, I don't know, you know, how hurt he was with the giants. You don't bring that level of talent and get traded for peanuts unless you're doing a lot of things wrong. Sometimes these guys will have a little bit of a honeymoon period with their new team. And then the types of behaviors that got them adios from the last place will creep up. But if there's ever going to be a spot where he can be successful, it's going to be when you have the greatest quarterback of all time throwing to you and quite possibly one of the top two or three coaches of all time working with you. Number one, Andy Reid, a player's coach. Number two, just a fantastic schemer and play caller. This is where everybody should want to be. This is where you know we thought Sky Moore might flourish, but it does look like right now that if you have Kadarius Tony on a dynasty roster, he is going to be absolute gold. And that as we go forward, this team is going to have more firepower because they made that move. We'll see. We'll see. But I mean, he looked fantastic today and almost certainly has a very limited number of plays that he's still working with. The sky really is the limit for him. You mentioned is Patrick Mahomes underrated. I know that we've talked about it a number of times on the show and we're mostly just kind of joking back and forth, but when you're looking at someone's career 30 years from now, or you're kind of summing up his career 10 or 15 years from now, when you're going through the different awards, the fact that Mahomes was robbed of some MVPs that he really deserved to win, I mean, that matters, right? Because when you're going to be counting up against someone like a Tom Brady, all of those things are going to be, well, this is Mahomes' column. This is Brady's column. You're going to have to go and win some Super Bowls. You're going to have to continue to do all those stuff with the gaudy statistics. Mahomes on pace to blow everybody away and just so many statistical categories. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he wasn't recognized as the best player in football the last couple of years, I, I thought was, was wrong. But again, so many good players out there. And one of them, Aaron Rodgers, column today, he looked like himself. They get behind and they come back. They still do this kind of weird thing where they run the ball incessantly. But Christian Watson, the guy who is the freak athlete that they wanted to use to replace Devontae Adams, at least some of that element, they appear to have gotten, I don't know if a diamond in the rough is really the right term for it because Romeo Dobbs has just simply been good right from the get-go. But today... As you look at the Packers and you look forward, you could even think they might have gotten two, maybe borderline stars. If you look forward, say two years, is Rogers still going to be part of it at that point? We don't know, but it was a, kind of a crazy day along those lines where Monty Fawn, who is one of the best FFPC players in the world, plays all the different formats, has written some cool articles for us on numerous occasions. He and I have a dynasty league in the RV triflex format over there with the FFPC. Anybody who's thinking about that, make sure you grab an orphan and sign up for some startups next year. You will love it. It's just the perfect format. We have been in some trade negotiations with a listener to the shows, subscriber to Rotoviz, an excellent FFPC player who I've had the great pleasure of co-managing a main event team with this year and we've just been talking about you know how we can make both teams work and we were looking at this move to potentially 
trade away Gabe Davis and David Montgomery, get back Ramondre Stevenson and a potential wide receiver. We had to find a guy who was sort of low enough down to make that work. And the player who fit before today was Christian Watson, who obviously someone drafted at the end of first rounds and rookie drafts, but prior to today's game had certainly lost a ton of that value. I think that you could make a strong argument that he would be down below Romeo Dobbs, a strong argument that if you did your rookie draft again before today's game, that he would fall out of the entire second round as well, already trending very heavily in the bust direction. But Colin Christian Watson absolutely changed the narrative on himself today. Four receptions, three touchdowns. And frankly, if he doesn't kind of quit on a route where he doesn't think the ball is going to be thrown to him, he had a 58-yard touchdown sitting in his lap, which would have been lost the ball, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, how fired up are you guys as as Green Bay Packers fans today? People will know what I think. I even said it on last week's show that like that was the season was done. I had put a fork in the season, and it was it's like uh, you know, the Sopranos or or the Godfather. Like you know, once I thought I was out, they they've kind of dragged me back in. This was the most fun I've had watching a Packers game all season, and most of that is because you're seeing the young players get an opportunity. You mentioned them rushing the ball an excessive amount. They do rush it here. 39 times one of those being you know the needed downs not the end but the Packers problem for quite a part of the season was they they weren't rushing it enough so this is probably a swing in the opposite direction but Aaron Jones has 24 attempts in this 138 yards one touchdown Dylan has 13 attempts for 65 yards this game was interesting in the first half it was pretty much I think Rodgers maybe had six pass attempts at halftime they were really focusing on the run game then in this, the start of the second half in the third quarter, the, cow, the Cowboys put up two unanswered touchdowns. That leads to a situation where there's a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and the Packers then come back and match it up through Christian Watson to tie it, to put it to overtime for the Packers to win. But you mentioned that pass to the kind of corner of the end zone that he kind of looks back, loses the ball, and that might just be something as a rookie. You know, he has, The one thing everyone said about Christian Watson is how raw he is coming in. But this here was was spectacular and you know he really showed off his full range of athleticism on those plays pretty much on the mall just running away from the defender so you know we talk about Aaron Rodgers sometimes and you know rookie receivers and how that comes on but this might be a, a one game and then when we look back you know in six weeks we might be saying well that was the highlight of the season but you know if we get him in a stretch here with Dobbs unfortunately going to miss some games and we can maybe have a few wins and, and get the two of them back together if not this season it is exciting to have those young wide receivers showing those flashes of of huge potential uh, this was it was spectacular to see watson do this today a quiet day as well for lazard which john i have to say Aaron Rodgers, we've seen competitive spirit again from maybe you picked up on something last week sean when you i told you he was he was out there competing we see him lay blocks we see him you know uh, there was one time where uh, they go for it on on third down and it's a pass play that's called and they don't get it and he's going to the sideline furious and he's shouting to Matt Lafleur, "Run the f and ball!" So you know uh, he wants to get these wins, but yeah, I thought it was it was fun. Uh, Aaron Jones is a fumble late in this game that he recovers himself, but Aaron Rodgers is the first player there ready to get into the pile. You know, I, I really thought that this was a, a fun one, kind of a bit of an old school overall performance. You kind of hinted at it there, not peak Packers because there was definitely issues. And they still have Amari Rogers returning punts. He fumbles another another punt in this game. So I, I don't know what they're, they're going to do there. That seems like you know the Bears are 
the Lions or the Vikings have you know actually sent him over there as like a, a double agent. I, I don't know what we're going to say at this point. The other side is Dak Prescott looked concerning at times in this game. Uh, we've seen the Packers' defense struggle, but he had two interceptions. One of those, you know, pretty close into the the end zone in this game. And uh, Tony Pollard is in place for Zeke Elliott. He has 115 yards and 22 attempts, one touchdown for him. He has six targets, three receptions, 13 yards. But C.D. Lamb. This was an amazing game that's probably going to get overlooked by Watson, but Lamb looked fantastic in this. He had 15 targets, 11 receptions, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. So shout out to CD, who, you know, there was a lot of concerns at the start of the season. I think we'll still have concerns moving forward at times, but he he's starting to put it together a little bit more than we had seen previously. Yeah, and I think that one of the positives for Lamb here is just how easy he made all of this look to come in 15 targets to go for 150 yards to score two touchdowns and have it almost be blasé. I mean, that's the sign in many cases of a dominant receiver because again, it just, it, it shouldn't be that easy. And especially within the context of this overall game, where, as you mentioned, Dak Prescott was awful, throws 46 times, doesn't even get the 270 yards averages less than six yards per attempt, throws two picks, takes a couple sacks from a fantasy perspective he was fine. And from a fantasy perspective, you really got what you're looking for out of this entire Dallas offense because Tony Pollard goes for 115 and a score. You get all those points for Lamb. You get Dalton Schultz more involved today with the eight targets, catches six for 54 and a touchdown. So all of the principals score their fantasy points. And yet this offense didn't look the way that it needs to look. Prescott just has to be better. And there have been a lot of different occasions this season where that's been the case. It was the case in week one and had me very concerned about Lamb. He's obviously been able to rally off of that, even with the backup quarterback and the very conservative game plans for a big chunk of the season. This team is going to score. They're going to put up the fantasy points, but to be where they want to be, and this is a big loss for them. They fall to six and three. They're falling off the pace of not just the Eagles, but the Giants. A winnable game like this, you have to win. You have to play better on defense. But the offense, I think, has to do their part of it and carry you. Prescott just hasn't looked right. I don't know that he's completely healthy. But also, I don't think that he is the star type of player that they would like. And that's not necessarily fair to ask. There are only going to be a handful of players in any course of time in the NFL who are at the Mahomes level, who are at the Josh Allen level. He's not really there. And they're going to need the rest of the guys to carry him in this game. You could argue that they did, but you have a lot of these additional targets to players that aren't particularly helping you. And a second guy probably needs to step up. Michael Gallup, the seven targets, he only gets 35 yards in this game. You can definitely understand why they would be one of the teams interested in Odell Beckham. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sean, it's time for the WinBet Rapid Fire segment of the week. We're going to go through a couple of games. I have a few key questions that we're going to pick out after it. But you can sign up to WinBet today and receive a special sports offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Sean, kicking this segment off with the game. Obviously, we talked about Cooper Cup's injury. That is very unfortunate. We'll see what the news comes from with that. But the Rams played the Cardinals and kind of the, the backup QB bowl, I guess we'll call it. We had John Walford facing off against Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy coming out the better of the two overall. Stat lines very, very similar for both. 238 yards for Colt McCoy, one touchdown. John Walford with 212, one touchdown, one interception. We're not looking at them for fantasy points, even though I did face off against a few teams that had to slot those in, obviously with the injury side, because you miss out on Kyler Murray, you're missing out on Matthew Stafford, people are looking for other quarterbacks, so that was a tricky situation for some people today, but nothing really of note, I'd say, unfortunately, the Cooper Cup side to talk about with the Rams, in my opinion, in this game, we do get Tyler Higby, eight targets, eight receptions, 73 yards, but he leads the way there, nothing going for the the running backs here it's split nobody with more than six carries 20 total carries for the team 66 yards one touchdown we do get henderson getting in the end zone but james connor looked pretty good in this one sean with you know not having kyler there as a quarterback he kind of led the team in terms of getting into the end zone two touchdowns 69 yards 21 carries for him only 26 total carries so he leads the way and four of those were colt mccoy DeAndre Hopkins has looked great since he's come back. He has 98 yards, 10 receptions, 14 targets. You mentioned earlier Rondell Moore's catch was spectacular. He's getting more and more involved. 13 targets, 94 yards on nine receptions for him. And, and Connor is next in line with the three for 17. Zach Ertz did get injured in this one. That looked pretty, pretty bad as well. So um unfortunately, the injuries starting to pile up on the season. But the game that I really want to get your thoughts on, Sean, because this was an interesting one. We've seen the Dolphins go through Tyreek Hill and Jill and Waddle for weeks. We've seen Tua continue to play fantastic. They dominated in this one, the Cleveland Browns, who have looked good at points this season, but they are now three and six. The Dolphins are seven and three, 39-17. Tua gets three touchdowns, 285 yards. The big question, though, not the big question, my big takeaway is going to be around the running backs. We have Jill and Waddle. Five targets, four receptions, 66. With Tyreek Hill, six targets, five receptions, and 44, and one touchdown for him. So we're not getting the wide receivers involved this week, but they have been on the brink of getting some big rush plays over the last month or so. Obviously, they trade for Jeff Wilson Jr., um, a lot of change in the backfield. So it looks like make that trade. Mostert should have 
a share of the backfield as he was working towards that to be kind of the lead the lead guy here but 17 rush attempts for jeff wilson jr 119 yards one touchdown he has a long of 20 we have mostert though looking explosive too with a long of 24 the eight carries 65 yards one touchdown for him there as well and both of them used in the passing game four targets for mostert five targets for wilson two receptions for mostert or four receptions for mostert two receptions for wilson so both been heavily featured in this game in, in different ways what was your thoughts overall on the running backs here leading the way and who is the guy we obviously have a, a lot of mostert exposure if you could make the decision today to pick one of them rest of season who is that running back that, that you'd still prefer would it be mostert or would it be jeff wilson well you would definitely want to have wilson right he's looked unbelievable since coming over from the 49ers doubles mostered up in carries today one of the things here is just that they didn't necessarily need mostert late he breaks off the long touchdown run early and is giving you those things that you want even in a situation here where he's massively upstaged by jeff wilson he has a big game from a fantasy perspective with that touchdown run and with the four catches in games where he's going to catch four passes it's going to be very difficult for him not to come through for you i mean you'd love to get that entire workload and be putting up some 30 point games that would really carry you the way some of our zero rb picks carried fantasy managers in the fantasy playoffs last year obviously very possible still that jeff wilson gets hurt very possible that raheem mostert gets hurt and in that case you would assume that the remaining player not that they'll get every touch because i don't think they even really want either of those guys to touch the ball quite that often but they will get a lot the thing that i think will be difficult here is to maintain the receiving volume for both players. This is a weird one where Waddle and Hill combined for only 11 targets. That has been a pretty unusual on the season. You look at this game and the two running backs combined for 25 carries and you're thinking, well, that's not good if you're specifically running everything in terms of your own fantasy plan through either Waddle or for Hill. You find out the two are still through 32 passes and three touchdowns. And you think, oh, you know, we're fine. But it was not concentrated at all today. Again, I don't think that's a problem for them. I don't think it's a problem for fantasy managers. You're going to have some games like this. What they were doing is not something that you're going to get all 17 games at any point in time. I think you would be pretty excited that they just absolutely eviscerated what I think is an underrated Cleveland Browns team, although they've had some games like this where they flat out look bad. The Browns obviously came in and said, you know, we're not going to let waddle and hill beat us like they've beaten everybody else i mean you can scheme to stop those guys and at least force them to do the secondary approach what we found out today and what i think is not surprising based on what the dolphins have done all season is that their backup plan is very good their plan b better than almost all teams plan a what they're doing right now is a little bit like what we might have expected the 49ers to do the commentary team for the Sunday night game, pointing out how many all pro teams, different starters on the 49ers offense have made. You look at a, a team with a Christian McCaffrey, a Debo Samuel and a George Kittle. And then you add the person who was actually the most dynamic in this game tonight in terms of Brandon Ayuk, you add in an elite backup running back in Elijah Mitchell, who outperformed, McCaffrey in many ways in the game tonight and you're thinking that they're going to score at will but 
even if you had enthusiasm for Waddle and Hill coming into the season as we did, even if you had enthusiasm for Raheem Mostert, then one of the reasons why we can kind of handle this performance here and even handle the Jeff Wilson thing, Zachary Kruger was messaging me throughout the day because one of our FFPC best ball teams that is a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray team, and another you know, mildly frustrating thing today is I have quite a few of those teams. It doesn't help you if Kyler Murray is out during Lamar Jackson's bye, but in part because we have Jeff Wilson to go with Deontay Foreman, it looks like that team is going to be the highest scoring team of the week and extend its first place lead even with zero QB points. So there are some fun silver linings today, but even with all of that Miami Dolphins enthusiasm, and obviously Wilson not a part of the team until recently, it still would be very easy, if not expected, for them to have more games like what we saw from the 49ers tonight and for the 49ers to be playing a little bit more like the Dolphins. It's been exactly the other direction. The Dolphins look very, very, very good. And even though defense hasn't necessarily been their strength this year, they took Amari Cooper completely out of this game. We've been giving Amari Cooper credit for outperforming what we thought he was going to do. Today's game a little bit more back in the direction of the type of performance, not that we expected to see every week, but thought maybe would have a little bit more often this season. He's been a tricky player to play because his games have been either very impressive or more or less complete duds like this one was. The Dolphins also able to not eliminate, but limit Nick Chubb. When you see him with 11 carries for 63 yards and Kareem Hunt with six carries for nine yards, uh, this is one of those situations where there was a, a point in time in this game before it got too out of hand or Kareem Hunt is hurting them. I think that from the Browns perspective, you want to get those Chubb carries in first. And then if you need to use Hunt late because you've sort of used up Chubb, you can do that. You know, some listeners are going to say, well, I mean, then you have Hunt in for the high leverage plays, but this game gets out of hand in part because Nick Chubb's just simply not used enough. You've got to use him to keep the game close or those high leverage plays never happen. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think that, you know, the Dolphins, you were kind of touching on it there, but we talked about the Bills, we talked about the Chiefs. They are now seven and three. They really look to be on a trajectory here where I think it's probably a couple of years early. Uh, listeners to the show may know I'm an Arsenal fan in soccer. They're arriving here a couple of years early in terms of their challenge for, for some championships here, hopefully. But the Dolphins feel like they might have thought this was a, another couple of years down the line but they make the move for hill they make that move at the deadline which could turn out to be a, a game changer in the long run getting jeff wilson in there who just looks fantastic and you mentioned the defensive side i was really pleased with them in this game to see they did go in the opposite direction so it's not just a case of they only will win through the air but we also know what they can do it was also a game where you know at one point here in the third quarter they are well and truly in you know multiple touchdown lead territory so um not one that they really needed to force to the, the wide receivers and also interesting that, that you know Tua still gets there without having to, to push it to those guys so they, they're looking pretty complete at the moment the Dolphins uh, yeah a real fun watch at this point in time but Sean that's going to do it for the recap show today but what I want to mention before we finish up is I often joke that I record this show very early for the recap show I had a technical issue we'll call it my alarm didn't go off today so Sean is the mvp of the the week here as we were recording this very late his time so thanks to i'm sure the listeners will be very appreciative that sean stayed up to to do this extra late 
Well, that is going to wrap up the starting portion here, basically, of our Week 10 recap show as we will cover the rest of the games when we do get to it. Sean teased Sunday Night Football a few times. We'll talk about that on the Tuesday recap show, so make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed to get that as soon as it comes out. Hopefully, whatever you need on Monday Night Football to get you over the line to get those wins in Week 10 will happen. Today's show was brought to you by Blue Wire and WinBet. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Until we are back on Tuesday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.